Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good morning and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. I'm Rachel Marshall, your co-host, along with Bruce Weiner, and we are bringing you a special guest today, Barb Stackhouse, and welcome to the show, Barb. Thank you. It's great to be here. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And Bruce, you actually brought Barb to my attention. You've had the opportunity to talk with her and meet her before, I believe. Would you like to share anything at the beginning of the show before I kind of kick us off into our introduction? Well, I think as as you know, our number one goal in every show is to bring as much value to our listeners as possible. And of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm oftentimes gush about uh, our guests, but I can tell you, I've seen Barb in in person twice now doing presentations. Of course, uh, she was mentored by Mike Michalowicz, um, and she thinks a lot of him, and she should because Mike is awesome. But I think Mike also thinks a lot of her. I mean, Mike has a, a proven brand already, and he's allowed uh, Barbara to uh, tweak that brand to uh, be specifically with Dennis. And I think that's all you have to say about um, the quality of her work. Excellent. Well, thank you for that introduction. And so I want to just talk to you directly. If you're listening to this show, if you're tuning in live or you're listening to our podcast after it airs, if you're in a position of wanting to be more profitable and you want to enjoy a thriving business instead of feeling like you're running on this, you're running ragged on this hamster wheel of chasing the next sale, I really want you to listen in. Now, you might say, I'm not a dentist. You may say, well, let me go ahead and tune out because this may not apply to me. I want to encourage you to listen in to the conversation because not only are you going to hear some very specific nuggets that will apply to any business, probably hearing the deep dive into a specific industry might even give you more ideas about how to apply this in your specific industry. So if you've heard of Profit First, maybe you've heard of it from us. We had Mike McCallowitz on the show, but you should be familiar with the idea of Profit First as we talk about that as a concept as well. And so this book that Barb is working on and writing called Profit First for Dentists, I should probably mention that title, is using the specific application of Mike Michalowicz's Profit First system in the dental industry. So we're going to go ahead and jump in, Barb. And can you share with us just a little bit about your background and how you came into the dental practice work the field, and then how you transitioned over into coaching. Sure. Um, well, going way back, I'm a farm girl from Indiana. So grew oh, up nice. in the country, you know, learned the value of hard work. Uh, just a great place um, to grow up and, you know, never really dreamed I'd ever be in, in a position like this. But, you know, as life takes you on a journey and the people that you meet, um, and the people that encourage you certainly have played a big impact in my life. And, and I hope to do that for others as well. But, you know, my journey began with uh, meeting a dental hygienist and I didn't know anything about dental hygiene. Um, she really encouraged me to, to go into dental hygiene and her husband was a dentist and we actually went to church with them and became friends. Um, so I actually went to dental hygiene school and practice. He hired me. I practiced full-time in a small town in Indiana, you know, walked down the street with these people. It was just a great experience. And 
Um, I could be a mom, you know, I could walk away from the office and be a mom in the evening. So it's been a great career. And then my husband and I had to move to Arizona and I was fortunate enough to meet Dr. Mike Schuster out in Arizona. And so it was through him actually that I uh, learned the, the practice management side of things. Um, and I also was, you know, was a hygienist and, and worked in his practice, his dental practice as well. So still got to keep my hand in both sides of it. Um, but that's where I learned practice management. And then because our children, we have two sons, decided to move to Nashville, we made a move back east. <laughs> and uh, so we live here now. And it, Dr. Schuster was retiring and um, it was time for me to kind of venture out on my own. And that's when through a dentist, a dentist client of mine told me about Profit First, the book. Mm. And so I read that book and I knew immediately like this was a game changer um, in the world of how, how money flows in and out of, uh, of a practice. You know, I was, I was reading it from the perspective of dentistry because that's what I knew. Mm. So um, in the book, you know, he talks about um, contacting him, Mike McCallowitz does, and they have this, these profit first professionals. So I just contacted them and I said, Hey, look, I'm not a CPA. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm a dental hygienist, but I really want to do this. And they let me in. <laughs> so again, so awesome. you know, here's someone who believed in me. Um, and I just think that's so important to uh, the people in our life, you know, that, that encourage us. And so that's how I got to know Mike McCallowitz. And now I'm a mastery level certified profit first professional. Um, and then beyond that, another co um, profit first professional who is a CPA. Um, came to me and said, would you co-write this book with me? So I really owe a lot to Drew Henricks, who is the co-writer of this book. He is a CPA and he just could not find the time to get it done. So I've, I've helped him to make this a reality. And we both are, um, you know, our, our goal is to get this message out, whether you're a dentist or not. Yes, it's written for dentists. But like you said, there's so many good nuggets there that could be applied to other types of medical practices. And we can talk more about that later um, if you have questions, but that's my journey and how I got to where I am. And I knew, I just knew that Profit First was the answer. And so I created a whole program around it using all that knowledge that I had from, you know, my past experiences and my past learning and pulling it all together. So that's where I am today. That's excellent. And I really love that. I, I'm just hearing your um, your story and your genuineness coming through in what you're sharing. And it's so interesting how we all end up where we probably never would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. And through these interesting turn of events, you're in a position where you're able to provide tremendous benefit and tremendous coaching to dentists because of your experience. And so I love that. And um, so let's dig in. So you have a business now called, and I, um, I don't know why I'm here more to life dental or more to life. So share what that business is and what you do through that. Sure. So the premier program that I teach and coach is profit first for dentists, but obviously there are other areas of dentistry that dentists struggle with. So there are other things that I do as well. And that I speak on, you know, different topics. Um, and so you'll find that on that website, more to life.dental. Um, I named my business more to life because dentists would always say to me, there's got to be more to life than this. They would get into dentistry and they'd be just head down working and, 
you know, grinding it out at the chair, we say, um, because that's what they felt like. They were always stuck at the chair, just working harder and harder. And they would say, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. How can I get things organized? How can I change my life? And again, this is true for any business, right? Mm -hmm. If you're an entrepreneur, I mean, read Michael Gerber's book, right? Um, If you're an entrepreneur, you get stuck in in the grinding it out. You're the technician in the business. You're Mm -hmm. the person doing it all. And it doesn't have to be that way. So that's, you know, that's kind of where, where I went with all of it. That's excellent. So you do coaching and speaking. Oh, go ahead, Bruce. Yeah. What are some of the other things that you? So the main other thing that I talk about, which is another big area that dentists struggle with, and and even team members sometimes need this training too, is kind of the sales process in dentistry. Um, And it's actually the same sales process that I use myself when I talk with a client, and it's all about serving that client Mm. and really putting the need for the sale kind of over on the shelf, if you will. and just connecting, you know, having that relationship first and not pushing. And so I created a whole system that I call the P-Serve methodology, P standing for purpose Mm. and understanding our purpose and our intention um, when we go into a phone call with someone. And then the acronym S-E-R-V-E as a way to think about each of the steps in that process of serving that person on the other side without any need for anything yourself, you know, just truly give from your heart. And it's been a journey for me to learn that, you know, I wouldn't say that I started out knowing that, right. It's, um, I learned a lot from Dr. Schuster. I learned a lot from, you know, other mentors as well. And, you know, just kind of putting that all together for myself and understanding that if I had this acronym and if I, you know, went step by step and I could teach dentists to go step by step by step through that process. So my piece of methodology is also something that I teach and coach and speak on um, as well. I think that's fascinating. And I'm really hearing the authenticity coming through, but it's so interesting how congruent that is with Bob Berg and John David Mann, who wrote The Go-Giver. We've had Bob on the show. I love that book. Yes, we've had him on the show (laughs) twice as well. And it's just fascinating the idea of being able to recognize that dollars come into your life as a result of you providing value that truly Mm -hmm. is received as value by somebody else. And it's not about thinking in terms of what I need in a sale or feeling like it's even a sales process, which I think so many of us can feel yucky about that type of process. But if we're serving and giving, then there is so much value that somebody is receiving. Yeah. Someone said, and I, I don't know where this came from, I, but it's some, one of my mentors, <laughs> and it could have come from somebody else, was the more you help people get what they want, the more you will have what you want. That might have been Zig Ziglar. It might have been. I, I don't, don't quote me on that either. <laughs> um, very, very awesome. So why is it crucial to focus on profitability first in any business? Well, obviously, if you are an entrepreneur and you open a business, you you have a dream of being your own boss, probably. You want to call the shots. You know, th- these are the common themes that I find, but you have to make a living at it. Um, if you're not profitable, then you have a hobby. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a business. Um, so I think that profitability has to be baked into the plan, if you will. 
It has to be a part of what happens from the start. And the truth is this, I talk to dentists every day who, you know, started out and didn't pay themselves for mm-hmm. quite a period of time. Um, I'm coaching a young female dentist right now who did a scratch start practice and she's not paying herself. And I've had these before. And my thing is you can pay yourself with your very next deposit if you have a plan. So that's why I believe this profit first method is so crucial because it provides that plan. It it provides them with a way that they can understand how to pay themselves first. So it's a cash flow model. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's all about paying yourself first as an entrepreneur. And that is so backwards (laughs) to what we think when we go into business. Absolutely. We think think that because that is what's been propagated, you Mm -hmm. know, throughout uh, the last several decades is like, this is supposed to be hard. Don't expect to turn a profit for three to five years, you know, on and on and on and on. And the and I think you you have it absolutely right, Barb. It's all because of the lack of planning. Um, the Money Advantage actually uses Profit First um, in our accounting um, mm-hmm. because we were inspired by Mike to do that. And um, what would you say the the biggest pushback is for um, a dental practice as far as, oh, because I'm sure you hear this, oh, but we can't do that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I haven't been profitable up to now, how is this going to make me profitable? Right? They, there's this big question mark. I don't, I don't have enough money to do this. That's what they think, right? They're, they're still in that mindset of waiting for the leftovers. And mm-hmm. to shift that belief is a big aha moment that has to happen. And part of it is they have to enter into this and they actually have more trust in me. And, and this process in the beginning, then they have trust in themselves. Mm. Um, and I think then I transfer that back to them. So there's this little dance that happens, right? When, when you first start out in this and, and yes, there's a belief in it, but you're, you know, they're probably still questioning, is this really going to work for me? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those first few months are critical and when they see that they can do this. And I think the number one thing is they don't know their true overhead percentage. And that's probably true for many businesses, mm-hmm. you know, not just dentistry, mm-hmm. um, especially medical practitioners, eye doctors, chiropractors, dentists, they're all in that same category. Right. Um, but other businesses too, they don't really know their true overhead so they think that they have to put all their money into that one account. And you guys know with Profit First, you know, the money flows into an income account, but we don't pay the bills from that account. Mm-hmm. We move it to other accounts that hold that money for a specific purpose. So obviously there's an account to pay our bills from called the operating expense account. And the biggest question is, well, what percentage should I put in there? Because I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I mean, once they can feel comfortable with that and they can see that, oh, I'm paying all my bills off of this percentage, it's like click, right? Something happens and that shifts. So I think that's one of the key things. That's very, very fascinating. Can you share, um, maybe for somebody who is in the dental space or somebody who's not and kind of looking in and wondering, how does this apply to me? I know from talking with chiropractors that there usually can be, they're coming into the practice for the 
at the very beginning, they have all of this, um, the debt from the school loans, then they're either buying into a practice or they're working under another chiropractor. And I'm sure it may be similar in the dental space. And so they're either taking a paycheck from another chiropractor and trying to build some business and build their book of business. How does that apply to a dental practice that's getting started? And do you work with somebody who's just getting started or is it more um, somebody who's already been in operation for a while? I have worked with many who are just getting started. And and sometimes we start with not even having a full calendar year of data to go Mm. on. So um, we have to get a bit creative and, and really, you know, kind of plan out what, what is the spending going to be during this time period? So yes, I do that. So let me just um, clarify that on the debt issue, because debt is a big thing, especially for, you know, dentists, they have expensive equipment. Chiropractors too have some equipment, um, but there's always, you know, let's say they own their own building, things like that. Um, But this personal debt that they have, the school debt you mentioned, Mm -hmm. that is personal debt. That is not debt to the business. However, because they are maybe a solo or a partner practitioner and they own a business, it impacts their business Mm. because it impacts the money that they're going to take out of their business. Mm -hmm. So part of what I help them figure out is what's your personal budget need to look like? And nobody likes the the word budget, right? I like to use the word spending plan. We're going to spend money. So let's, (laughs) let's have a plan for it. Right. Right. But I think we have to Dentist and and other anybody who owns a business, you have to understand what is personal debt and what is business debt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, personal debt impacts your business based on the money you take out of your business. So that has to be factored in. For dentists, what I find is, you know, there's a lot of debt on both sides. You know, if they've started a practice, there's a lot of debt for equipment and a build out. Um, and then here they've got this student loan. So it all has to be factored in. And I would say the majority of my my clients at at some point throughout the training, they'll say, how do I do this in my personal life, right? Mm, Okay. How how do I set up profit first in my personal life? So I have put together kind of a little, you know, I teach it in my program, a little module about how they can do that. Okay. Um, But I like Dave Ramsey. I mean, I like what he's doing. He does something similar. There are other programs out there too, but you know, we really just kind of look at the same type of scenario, all the money flows into one place, but then what do we need to divide it up in, you know, for personal budget, and you could have a debt reduction account um, Mm -hmm. to help. Okay. So then um, let's go ahead and jump towards the, what type of practice are you usually seeing or what problems are you seeing that more, maybe they're not the financial problems, but the problems that the practice is experiencing as they come to you in need of some type of change. And then we'll kind of walk over into what are you um, working through with them? That's really important for them to implement in their business, but what are they presenting? What needs and challenges and concerns are they seeing in the business? So I would say one of the big ones is especially now um, post-COVID, is team. Mm. Uh, It's sad, but a lot of team members left the profession uh, because of COVID. And so there's actually been some articles written about that. Uh, So there's been big changes in their practice. Not all, but I would say younger, maybe younger teams or, you know, um, doctors who hadn't been in practice as many years. 
maybe saw more of some transitions there. So there's definitely mm-hmm. some team issues. And even with an established team, there can still be, you know, issues uh, with, with team members. You can have team members retiring, you know, too. Mm-hmm. So you purchase a practice, the team member's been with that practice for a long time. So those tend to be um, some big concerns they have. The, the expense for team is the greatest expense that a practice has, mm-hmm. but it's also their greatest asset. Mm-hmm. So understanding that and, and balancing what should I spend, you know, for team versus what's the value that I'm getting from that. So those are some issues that they come with. And I would say the other big one is debt. Um, I get messages a lot of times, you know, when they're booking a call with me, they fill out a little questionnaire and, and I'll say, what else do you want me to know? And, and they'll say, I have a lot of debt and I don't know if this will work for me. So we kind of mentioned that already, but that is a big one Mm. that I get from them because they pretty much all have some kind of debt and they can't see how they're ever going to get out of that, um, at least not for a long time. Mm-hmm. So they want help with managing that debt and managing the cash flow because the more debt you have, the less cash flow you have. And I would say, you know, the third thing that I see is they don't understand what goes into the overhead because they're trying to read a profit and loss report, which says you have all this money at the end, you know, and they're like, where is that money at? Mm-hmm. Well, you used it to pay down your debt. You know, you, mm-hmm. you made some loan payments this year. Oh, you know, and they don't understand that. And that's true for anybody, right? If you've got debt in your business, your profit and loss doesn't show those debt payments. So I would say those are my top three that mm-hmm. I that I get that they just don't know their numbers, you know, because they're looking at a profit and loss report and they don't understand how to read it. I think that's really fascinating. Even just hearing you say that, because that applies over in the personal side too, where yeah. somebody could say, well, here's my income, my Mm -hmm. revenue, if you will, if you're talking business language, here's my revenue, here's what I spent. And yet all of that money is not in my control. I don't see it in a savings account somewhere. I don't see it in my investment account. I don't see it in anywhere that I can touch and take. And often it is that same thing where they said, well, I had this extra cash. I went ahead and use that to pay down the mortgage or pay down the student loan or pay down something, a credit card. And so, yes, that is vanishing out of their control then. Okay. You know, one thing I'll add with that too, just a little uh, side note is I'm a big advocate of even if you have debt, you need to start saving, right? Yes. We're a big proponent of the profit account, but even taking some of that profit account and starting to invest for the future, you know, down the road. And I find a lot of young dentists just, they feel like they're never going to be in a position anytime soon Mm -hmm. to start that. And I'm a, big proponent and I push them to take some money and invest for their future. So you can still have investments along with having debt. Yes. And then, um, you know, if we, if we go to uh, some of the other concepts that we um, actually try to help people realize in that realm is that you can invest instead of investing necessarily in tax deferred accounts, which a lot of CPAs will tell them and that doesn't do anything for the business. Right. You can actually uh, invest in after-tax cash-flowing investments that you could then use that cash flow to pay down the debt, mm-hmm. and but you're still appreciating on that cash-flowing investment, whether it's real estate, whether it's uh, private equity, whether it's uh, 
a private lending. There's a, there's a host of other things. Unfortunately, Barbara, over our career, you know, a lot of business owners and, of course, dental, dental practices, thank God they, they continue to be, you know, private businesses and not gobbled up by hospitals like doctors have. Yeah. Uh, they're always turning to their accountants or CPAs and, you know, the, their idea is, oh, let's just put this tax deferred money into the future and then it's in prison so they cannot use it. Mm-hmm. To necessarily do both of the things at the same time, you know, pay down debt and still invest. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more with you, Bruce. And there are certainly alternative investment um, vehicles out there that provide more of an immediate relief mm-hmm. than, like you said, putting that money in prison and waiting until you're mm-hmm. 65 or whatever. And and the, the truth is with dentistry, the retirement age is actually increasing, which is so sad to me that they don't have the funds saved to retire. Mm -hmm. And uh, so these alternative types of investing where it it doesn't make it tax deferred now, but that's okay because it's bringing in some income. So if you're out there and you're listening, um, I want you to listen to Bruce because he knows what he's talking about. (laughs) Barb, I appreciate that. And here's something uh, we didn't talk about this, but you know, uh, one of the things I always talk about, whether it's a dentist or some other person in business, or even a private individual, they always say, well, my CPA or my accountant, it sounds like we're beating, beating up the, the CPAs and accountants today, but they always say, well, let's, let's put this in so you save taxes now. Right. And I always tell them, why don't you ask your CPA, and this would be good for you, Barb, if a dentist ever brings this up, I always say, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the, the most taxes saved this year or the most taxes saved over your lifetime? Right. And those are two different questions. And what about your lifetime, which setting your practice up, you should be thinking long term in that in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a it's but that is a mental shift that mm-hmm. people have to make. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. And and I've been let's through start, that. Let's talk a little that whole bit journey about, myself too. My yeah. husband and I have, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, especially I think it's especially as we talk here in. Uh, 2021, as we continue to add debt to our uh, U.S. government, adding debt and uh, uh, taxes are actually uh, scheduled to sunset 2026. You know, we we may, uh, uh, especially younger dentists, who's not showing a lot of profit, and then taking tax deferred money and maybe only saving 10 or 12 percent because they're in a low tax bracket. Mm-hmm. And then if and if they want to be successful and retire. They're going to take it out at a higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. It makes absolutely no sense. So yes, that's one of the things that we uh, we help people on too. So let's talk about a little bit about fixed versus variable expenses. Sure. Because I because in a dental practice that has to be a huge. One. It is. Um, so I'll give you uh, my uh, dental practice knowledge with this, and and again, someone else who's in a different type of practice could certainly figure this out based on what their overhead is and what types of things they have. So the difference between fixed and variable, fixed expenses generally stay the same or about the same every month, regardless of what the production and collections does. So in a dental practice, we're producing, right? We're delivering dentistry, we're collecting that money. And we have these fixed expenses such as Um, I already mentioned our team. So payroll expenses, typically Mm -hmm. one of those things that's about the same every month. We 
you know, doesn't really fluctuate much. Um, our rent. So mm-hmm. our, our occupancy, the rent and our utilities pretty much stays the same. We can plan on that every month. And then our equipment um, and our build out loan, those payments, because typically those are payments. So again, those are going to be the same payments every month. There may be some variable things in there, such as got to have a repair done on some equipment, but those aren't usually big items. So those three things are the big fixed expenses in a dental practice. And I would assume, you know, other businesses such as this would have very similar. So those things stay the same. So for instance, if if a dentist produces and collects more, the percentage for those things is going to go down for the Mm -hmm. month. Okay. If they produce and collect less, the percentage for those things is going to go up higher. Then we have our variable expenses. And in dentistry, um, I have four categories for those variable expenses. We have supplies, you know, the, what, what the filling material, all those different supplies and things that it takes to deliver dentistry. We have lab costs. So if you've ever had a crown or a bridge or, you know, anything like that, it gets sent to a lab typically, or there's some kind of lab expense, even braces, you know, and there's some lab involved. It makes sense that if we're going to produce and collect more, those expenses are going to go up with, right? They, we're going to spend mm-hmm. more in supplies. We're going to spend more in lab because we're probably seeing more patients or we're doing more dentistry. And then we have marketing, which I put that in the variable expense because we have control over what marketing we want to do or not. Now, if you get, if you sign up and you're in a contract for marketing, marketing, part of that could be a fixed expense, but the truth is we have a choice, right? Mm -hmm. And we can choose to sign up or not sign up. So marketing is variable. And I say marketing, the best is the free marketing that you can do, but that's a whole nother subject. And then the last thing, and, and we throw a lot of things into this is our business admin expenses. So we have fees when patients use a credit card, those bank fees, those fluctuate. Um, we have uh, the telephone bill. I mean, some of these, again, are going to be kind of similar, you know, or the or kind of like a fixed, but overall, that whole category is going to be variable because it varies every month. Mm-hmm. So those things, because they're variable, we have the most control over those. So my advice to anyone is to look to your variable expenses first if you're looking to cut expenses, because you have the most control there. And Barb, don't you, do you find, cause I find this with my business consulting uh, that I do is that the person responsible for that. And I don't know what you would call them in a dental practice, but the, the manager mm-hmm. um, or so on and so forth uh, because they are so busy. Sometimes, you know, they may have a, a, a dentist or maybe an adent, uh, a hygienist or, or an assistant that would come up and say, oh, we don't have any more of this. You need to yeah. order this. And nobody even looks in the cabinet to make sure that there is, is that yes. in the particular cabinet. They just automatically, because they don't take any personal responsibility for that because somebody else, in this case, it would be the dentist that is, is owning this. And so they get overrun with, supplies that they really don't need. Mm-hmm. And this is a very easy thing to fix. Do you find that? Yep. The same oh, thing? yeah. Supplies is always the first category. And I typically have them um, appoint someone on the team. And we actually use a supply ordering system that I teach them. And so we will set a, a target percentage. And it depends on the type of practice. Because if they're a practice that does not um, 
contract with any insurance companies, what I call a fee for service practice, their percentage for supplies is going to be different than a practice who is contracted, you know, 98% of their income comes from contracts with an insurance company where right off the top, they're writing off probably 30% or more. So that's going to change their percentage. So that range for supplies, let's say, could it be anywhere from four to 7%, okay, depending on the type of practice. Um, And even a specialty practice can be different. But let's just say the practice says, I want to get my supplies to 6%. Um, and you can, any business can do this. Whatever category you say, I want to get it to this percent. You take your collections from the month prior. You take 6% of that. That's now your dollar amount budget for the current month. Mm. And that just rolls every month. So that's how I teach dentists to have a system for we can't go beyond this amount. We, we have to plan what supplies we're going to order this month. And uh, I always say, you know, if you end up with too much month and not enough money, then you have to make a decision. If it's a supply you absolutely have to have, then you can, you can purchase it, but now you've borrowed from your next month. Mm-hmm. So when you give that number for the next month, you have to take that amount off. And that's how you get to the, the specific percentage. That's excellent. And honestly, you can do this in your personal life, which I do as well with something like mint.com, which is really fascinating. You can either bank money to go into the future month and have more to spend next month if you spend less this month, or you can, if you need to spend that extra that you're spending next month's budget, which you never really want to do that though. Right. So that is really fascinating. Would you say the same thing as true then for having a fixed percentage, which gives you a dollar amount to spend in each of the variable categories like lab costs, marketing, and business admin. Do you work that the same way? I do. And I give them a range again, because there's different types of practices. So when I work with the practice personally, we're going to narrow it down to their exact percentage. Mm. But you know, if I'm speaking to dentists generally, such as in the book, I give a range and I explain why there is a range. Because if Let's say it's a practice that is an endodontist. Well, they don't hire hygienists in their practice. They don't have a need for a hygienist. So their team costs are going to be less. Um, So that's why I say a specialty type practice could have a different set of percentages than a general dentist. So I give a range there. But yes, there, there is a specific range and a number we don't want to go over for fixed and also for variable. And so I, I talk about that in the book and, you know, in a dental practice, um, I would say their fixed expenses, you know, 35, never go over 40%, um, variable expenses, 25 or less, never go over 30. Those are my little rules of thumb for a dental practice. And if you put that together, the high end would be their overhead would be 70%, 40 and 30, right. And that still gives them 30% to divvy up between their profit account, what their take-home pay is going to be in their taxes. Now, would we like it to be more than that? Sure. But that's kind of a starting point that, mm. where they could shoot for. And I would say most of the dentists who come to me, their overhead is higher than that when they first start. Hey, Barbara, what about uh, any, any kind of incentive programs that you give the team sure. to actually apply to this or, or yep. apply these principles? That's a great question. And I get asked that a lot. And there's a lot of bonus systems out there that 
you know, good intentions um, behind all of them. But I find that most bonus systems are based on production or collections, and they don't take into consideration the expenses of the business. So while we've already talked about, you know, when production and collections goes up, our expenses go up as well. Uh, many times they're hiring an extra team member to make that production happen. You know, now they've got an associate and they've got to hire team members to support that associate. And so they're not really seeing the increased profitability, yet here they are giving out bonuses because we're reaching this number, right? Mm. So what I have them do is actually set up a separate profit account for the team. And we begin funding that. And as long as all the bills are paid and our operating expense account remains viable and, and everything you know, is paid out of there, at the end of the quarter or the six months, I mean, I, I never suggest any more than the quarter, when we're doing a profit distribution, the team can get a profit distribution too. If we run short in the operating expense account, then that money goes to pay the bills and there isn't a profit distribution. So we have to have profit before we can distribute it. So that's the system I use. I really like that because that then gives ownership of the mm-hmm. idea of profitability to everybody in the business. Right. And and I'm telling you, you, if you turn over your supply ordering to your team and they know there's a profit system, profit sharing system in place, they're going to work at it. Right. <laughs> and there's so many things that they can work at. You know, there, there are many things that, you know, they can do that help efficiency, number mm-hmm. one, right? We get systems in place. Efficiency is huge in a dental practice. Um, anything we can do to reduce our expenses and increase, you know, our profitability um, helps, helps the team too when we have a team profit account. How would you look at, and this might be something uh, maybe a little bit outside of what we normally would discuss here, but how do you look at in a dental practice that's wanting to grow and put in systems in place? Maybe it's a new CRM tool, or maybe it's a um, something that's an automated system, but that's going to have a cost associated with it. How do you factor in when to automate and scale in that way and maintain the profitability? Great question. And it's there's, there's no easy answer to that. <laughs> um, so one of the things I find is a lot of dental practices Dentists love technology. Um, I mean, we all do, right? But I, dentists tend to be people who, who like the technology and can sign up for, you know, many different things that well-intended $200 here, $200 there, you know, each month. Mm-hmm. When in fact, some of those things that they sign up for, some of those pieces of software could do multiple things for them they're just not utilizing them to the fullest benefit. So that's Um, one of the areas that we look at is, could you have one software that would do the thing that is maybe multiple softwares right now that are doing? Um, I already talked about efficiency and training the team. Um, Obviously that's great. Um, You know, we just try to look at the overall picture and, and I really, I use those percentages that I set up to look at each of those categories. We have to organize our our overhead into those categories. And then we have to know what those percentages are. And if we're over in a specific area, then we dive into that area. And we, I say nothing is sacred. Mm. We look at every line item in their QuickBooks or whatever they're using. We look at every line item and I ask, why do you have that? 
How is that benefiting you? Have you used it? Um, what's been the return on the investment? You know, we really, you know, just go through and ask questions. And obviously, if it's something that is needed to produce dentistry and or to do, you know, I, I obviously I want them to do quality care. If it's going to impact that, then then it's a must-have. That's fine. But what are the things that we could change? There could be another vendor. There could be, like I said, a software that would do multiple things. So that's where I like to start with is, is just helping them see that you don't have to have all of those things. And the truth is, patients come to medical practitioners, chiropractors, dentists, eye doctors, because of the relationship you forge with them. It is not about the technology you own. Never. It, they don't, patients don't come because of technology. They just don't. It's about the relationship. So we have to remember that. That's good. And I think that can apply to any business. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm even thinking about patients probably don't come as a result of just marketing either. Right. But as of the relationship where you could think, well, I need the marketing to grow the practice, to get the income to the place where I can be profitable. And I think that probably can put you in a backwards position rather than making sure you're being profitable with those dollars. Bruce, where were you going to go with that? Well, I think Barb, the thing that um, I think, and this was, this is probably going to be the most difficult thing to talk about uh, on this podcast. Um, Maybe not, maybe you're an expert on it, but you know, when we work with people, we want to work with people that have good money habits. And because so often people say, um, well, I want to do this, but they're really not that committed to changing their habits. And I bet you've run into this mm-hmm. all the time. One of the one of my mentors over the last 15, 20 years is Dan Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And Anne talks about a 10 times mindset multiplier. And he he always says it's easier to grow 10 times than it is to grow two times. Because if you grow 10 times, you have to do everything differently. <clears throat> with with two times, you just got to try harder and harder and harder. Well, oftentimes this means actually getting rid of the person, people on your team that don't have the correct mindset. How often do you run into that, those kind of situations with dental practices that a, a dentist would say, hey, I, I really want to change. I want you to do this. And you say, well, you don't have the, you don't have the right team members. They're never going to implement this. You're going to have to make some changes. I'm sorry. And, and then, the, of course... They say, well, I'm never going to get rid of this person. <laughs> For sure that happens. <laughs> um, my experience is this. If a dentist is committed to make the change, they're going to start with themselves. They have to shift you know, how they lead, how they talk to the team. Um, many times I find team members, it's almost a breath of fresh air. And they are on board. The team members who don't want to change typically leave on their own because they, they recognize they're not a fit anymore. Mm. Um, that's the best case scenario. Sometimes that doesn't happen. And, you know, sometimes a dentist does have to, or anybody who has employees, you know, sometimes you have to face that reality that I've changed. And now this team member is no longer a fit for the change that I want. And, and I always say, we're going to do everything we can to bring them up to our level. It's, it's not that we just walk in and start cutting people. And 
Uh, I never want to do that. I'm very sensitive to that. You know, this is the livelihood of someone's, you know, life and their family. And we certainly always want to try to bring them along um, on the journey. And, but again, I think it begins with the leader and the language that you use and how you share your own shifts. Because I find so many times where we just think it's so personal and you know, there's a lot of thoughts that run through the head, right? The committee up there that's chattering mm-hmm. all the time. And there's all these things and we don't always express it to our team um, and myself included. You know, we've, we've kind of said as a team on Fridays, they're like, tell us about your week, you know? And I think we don't often do that. And, and dentists are guilty of that as are all entrepreneurs. So we have to share the shifts that are happening with ourselves, and we have to lead differently. And I believe if people want to be on your team, and then then they will join up with you, and they will share your vision. It's a shared vision. I think that's very, very powerfully and profoundly said. And I think that is in any other business as well. You are going to attract what you are putting out there, and who mm-hmm. you are is who you're going to attract. So, Barb, I know that we're running close to the top of the hour here. There's a lot of things that we could continue talking about. You've mentioned how Profit First is a cash management system. And I think we've talked a lot about understanding how to manage your cash in a way that builds profit first and how important that is if you really do want to have a longstanding profitable business that you can relax in and not just feel like you're spinning your wheels and and running 100 miles an hour. Um, We've also talked about paying yourself first, which is having profit first. Um, we've talked about organizing your expenses. We've talked about creating a plan for your spending in your variable and your fixed accounts. And then um, we've even talked about reducing overhead in terms of really looking at the variable expenses first. What would you say to the business owner who's saying, how do I figure out how to pay myself first? And why is paying myself first so important for my business longevity? Well, first thing I would say is if you haven't read Profit First, if then you need to read the book Profit First. Absolutely. Uh, because that, I second that. <laughs> you know, that, that gives you, uh, if you're a dentist, my book is coming out very soon um, this year, 2021. So if you haven't read the book and if you're a dentist, I hope you're going to read Profit First for Dentists because I spell all this out. Like I don't hold anything back. I give you the plan, I give you the instructions on if you're savvy and you're a do-it-yourself person, you could you could probably do it. Um, of course, we know there's going to be dentists that, that are going to want some help, right? And I'm here for that too. But I would say start with reading the book, Profit First. I totally believe in this system, uh, in this, it's a belief. Um, it's, a, it's a cash flow management system that helps entrepreneurs understand that they have to flip the equation and set aside some money first before paying all their bills. Because if you leave that money in one account, our nature is we will spend it. Mm -hmm. If we divide it up into multiple accounts and we know what the purpose of those accounts is, our, our natural human behavior is that we will follow that system. So you need a system. That's the bottom line. And so, yes, I love that you mentioned your book that's coming out. And so tell us how 
anybody can get a hold of your book specifically and how they can find and follow you? Sure. Um, so the first thing I would say is go to my website, uh, more2life.dental. Uh, we will have a book purchase tab on the website coming up very soon. We are diligently working on that. We are a few months away um, from launch date, and I, I can't tell you exactly what the date is going to be, but it will be soon. And we will be doing pre-sales. So we will get that tab up there as soon as possible. Um, and there will be some bonuses that are attached to those pre-sales. So keep checking back. But really, honestly, if you can get on my email list, I send out, um, I, I try to be very helpful. I don't like spammy stuff. And, I, and these emails that I send out are intended to help you. They're tips, they're tricks. They're, I do a YouTube video once a week. So get on that list. And you can do that by going to my website, uh, more2life.dental. There is a masterclass webinar that you can sign up for. Has some, also has some great information. But when you sign up for that masterclass webinar, uh, you will be on my email list and you'll start getting my emails. Um, I send those out three times a week. If that's too much for you and you don't want that, you don't have to do that. But but that's how you'll find out about you know the book launch and, and all those things. I also have a private Facebook group. You have to be a dentist to be in that group. It is Profit First for Dentists. So you can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a business page as well, Profit First for Dentists, and anyone can follow that page. So look me up there. And uh, if you want to email me, it, I'd love to hear from you personally. My email is just barb, B-A-R-B, at more2life.dental. And, and Excellent. Uh, just a little add-on here. If you're not the dentist, but you'd like to know more information, Barb does have people that she can refer you to that would be yes. um, in your tribe uh, going forward. So you certainly can benefit from this. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that, Bruce. I meant to say that. that um, because I am a mastery level profit first professional, I have connection with a whole group of people who are profit first professionals. And there are people just like me who work solely with chiropractors or medical practitioners or eye doctors. And I can certainly connect you with them or any other profession. We have profit first professionals really for any type of profession out there, contractors, um, all kinds of things. So if you need a referral, I can connect you. That's excellent. And I really appreciate Barb, you spending the time to take your hour this morning and share with our listeners and our audience just specifically how to apply that profit first cash flow management system to your business. And just for sharing with us the book that you have coming out, I'm really excited for you and your book launch. And I know this is going to be transformational and really help a lot of people. So um, we'll make sure that we have all of the links that you have shared in the show notes as well. And in in the, um, the live stream. And we'll love to make sure that you connect over with Barb, whether it's through the Facebook group or her, um, her website at more to life dental. So if you are listening today and you're saying, well, I am a dentist, please dig in. If you're not a dentist, please dig in anyways. And what I would also say is that there's more to figuring out your financial life than maybe you've even heard just today. There are so many more pieces of understanding how to keep more of the money you make, which is very much in alignment with the profit first model, keeping more of your money so that you're more profitable in your personal and your business life, and then protecting your income and then making your, putting your dollars to work so that you're earning more. And that's investing in things that you know and control 
And ultimately being in a place where you build time and money freedom and you have that legacy that you're able to not only leave for your kids, but you're able to be in a position of living a fulfilled and substantial life. So if you would like to hear more about that, or you'd like to talk with our team, you can talk with us at themoneyadvantage.com. And I'll just um, leave this on a note today. Go ahead and click over to check out Barb at More to Life Dental. And Barb, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's been a pleasure and enjoyed every minute of it. So look forward to hearing from you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business that you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.